Hello, and welcome to Find Your Center. I'm Kim Perone, Certified Life Coach with the Center for Clarity, Compassion, and Contentment. I know that's a mouthful, so I call it Center for C. But the name is very meaningful, and these qualities of clarity, compassion, and contentment are what we all need more of. So thank you for listening. I'm here with Tisha from the Slightly Unmeditated Podcast channel. Hello, my friend. How are you today? I'm excited to learn something new. Excellent. Well, today's topic is expanding our emotional vocabulary. So when I say that, what's the first thing you think about? The first thing I think is, I'm not sure what that means. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, one of my thoughts in having this episode was we live in VUCA times. And if you haven't heard the acronym VUCA, V-U-C-A, it stands for Volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And that is a lot of what's going on. You know, there's a lot of volatility, there's uncertainty, and we certainly know there's complexity. I mean, honestly, me trying to use new apps and work my TV remote just tells me how complex it is. Like (laughs) my husband and I together can barely operate our television. And every time we do something to make it easier, it gets worse. But that's another whole story. But I won't sidetrack us. But complexity today, whether it's paperwork for insurance or your TV remote or just there is a high, high level of complexity today and and ambiguous. Um, In these times, it's like uh, we can feel all turned around, all scattered, all like not effective and um, feel feel very emotional. So the, our emotions have been running high at work, at home, pandemic, politics, arguments, life's complexity, life's workload, whether it's home or work, and just everything that we're trying to do every day. It's not easy being human. And uh, we're just trying to do the best we can, right? Yeah. It's all we can do at this point, except realize that, like, it's not just us. Yeah. So because of all those emotions, it's interesting because studies show that, like, if you ask the average person, they they can identify, like, happy, angry, sad is, like, just the basic three. But we have so many different emotions. Yeah, I was thinking of the seven dwarfs. (laughs) (laughs) Sleepy. (laughs) What are the other ones? Dopey. (laughs) Doc. Doc's not an emotion, but we got it. (laughs) Well, with our emotions, when we expand our emotional vocabulary, that was a tongue twister. Sure, easy for you to say the tongue twister. Expanding our emotional vocabulary can help us identify more specifically how we're feeling to quicker do some emotional housekeeping around it to go like, Oh, you know what? I, at first I was angry, you know, I snapped at a family member, but really it's because I'm sad about something else. And, you know, we can, we can start to do some stress reduction in just what's coming up for me. You know, what am I feeling right now? And Big shout out because a lot of the emotions that I've listed that I want us to go through are from Brene Brown's new book, Atlas of the Heart. So big shout out to Brene Brown. Um, Atlas of the Heart was a great book. Um, 
through Center for C, I have a book club. We we did that book. It was great. We had some wonderful discussions about these emotions, and there were things that surprised us uh, as we discussed them. So she arranges it so nicely in her book because she puts puts these emotions in categories. And in different categories, and I thought that that's, I would use some of her structure and just take the category. So emotions that we feel when things are uncertain or too much. So here I'm going to list off the whole list that's under this category. And, and then we can just pick, pick ones that we'd want to, you know, talk about. You can just like pick one and we can start discussing it. This Stra- is a cate- category oh, of too much. Too much. When things are uncertain or feeling like they're too okay. much. Got it. Stress, overwhelm, anxiety, worry, avoidance, excitement, dread, and fear. Hmm. Which one stands out for you that we, we should pull well, out of the mix? The first four for sure. <laughs> um, let's do anxiety because I feel like a lot of people are talking about that. And I'm definitely familiar with that. Yeah. So to pull out anxiety, yeah, things are uncertain. Your ego's on overdrive, trying to extrapolate every scenario to keep you safe. So we've talked a lot about the ego And then now it's like causing us to feel anxious, um, unsettled, that sometimes even what I sometimes call is a yucky feeling. Like, why do I even feel this way? Um, Things are okay, aren't they? Or are they? You know, my mind is not sure things are okay. Um, the, The, you know, anxiety, this is where, these are the emotions we feel when things are too uncertain. Or things are just that are happening are just too much. I'm struggling with this right now because I'm about to get on a plane for the first time since the pandemic started and actually in several years. Um, And then I have all of that mixed emotions about somebody else messing up on the plane and we having to turn around or just getting sick or just just the feeling of everybody else's energy on the plane. Right. I'm going with a friend. I know I'm going to be fine, but I can't shake it. So when you recognize that, like, oh, I'm feeling very anxious about this. I have this upcoming trip and it's been a long time since I've been on the plane. The better nuanced you can get in just recognizing that, like give yourself some self-compassion. Of course, it's been a couple of years of the pandemic. It's that you're not sure. And maybe you've seen news stories about things not going so good on planes and all this combined to make you feel very unsettled about some things that people are doing every day successfully is getting blown. I'm blown away by it. I'm like looking at these people, like, how are they doing this? You know, and I'm working towards it. I'm at two weeks out now. So I'm working towards it and I feel it creeping up out of nowhere. And I'm kind of trying to use the tools to stop my ego and telling me all the bad things that are going to happen and be like, Hey, you're going on a trip. (laughs) You're getting out of the house. I'm trying to reinforce the good parts over the bad. Yeah. Your evidence that there's more success in this endeavor than, than, uh, failure. Yeah. So sometimes in that situation, I like to use that expression, even that expression, my evidence 
of successfully navigating this situation in my life far exceeds the times that I have failed. The problem when that comes to airplanes is that our brain goes, oh yeah, well, but the fail is fatal. So hopefully saying that didn't make it worse for you, but it's basically your body's reaction to that uncertainty is to get anxious and start thinking about how how many things could go wrong because your brain thinks it's going to help you be prepared that way. Yeah, actually, I didn't even think about the plane like malfunction part. My my other thing is like exposing myself to something mm-hmm. that my mom died of, right? Like that's okay. where my mind goes. All right. So sure. So now you have, there's many, many le- levels of this. So not just right. the traditional plane fear. Um, that, I'm not even afraid of no, that part. No, not it has that. nothing to do with it. It's okay. mostly pandemic related. Okay. Okay. So then you're really weighing how much you want to go on this trip or how much you don't want anxiety to hold you back in life. I feel I have to tell myself I've done everything I can do. I've Mm -hmm. stayed home for three years. (laughs) I wear a mask wherever I go. I follow what I'm supposed to do. I have my booster and everything else. So I have to keep telling myself at this stage of the game, I've done everything to protect myself and everybody else. And so this will be my foray into it. But I already, you know, as a person who's had anxiety or like those panicky feelings, it's really scary. And then you think, God, I don't want to feel like that anymore. You know, so that the thought of feeling like that gives me anxiety. You know what I mean? Yeah, it can layer on. It can layer up and uh, and tangle up, tangle you up. And so it is more, you want to use your higher level of consciousness and in, in the kind way that you said, I've done everything I can do. I'm, it's almost like you're talking to a good friend. So you're, you're engaging self-compassion. You're talking to yourself in a gentle voice. Of course you feel that way. And, but you've done everything. You've stayed home to stay safe. You wear a mask, you've gotten your vaccines and booster. Yeah. And it's all, all I can do. I can't, stay here forever in the house. And I'm so happy to have the opportunity to leave the state and for warmer climate. So Mm -hmm. I'm excited. I got to put the excitement over the rest of it. Yeah. And it's hard isolating too. And then being back into society also. Absolutely. (laughs) Your face. (laughs) It's so true. Because that has caused more anxiety. And it's interesting too, because in that list was excitement. So you're shifting, you're going to take this anxious energy and kind of shift it to excitement. What part of that is actually just excited about finally breaking free from your state, as you say? Yeah, I love, love, love that I'm not only get to implement the tools that you're teaching, but then I get to report back how it's like, it's really working (laughs) in real time. I love it. Oh man, that's great. Well, in uncertainty, it was part of the VUCA uh, acronym and, and it is really a, a word for our times. And, and we realized, you know, a lot wasn't as certain as we thought it was before even. Maybe we just felt like more things were certain, you know, maybe it's like, you know, the Wizard of Oz pulling the curtain back and realizing life's a whole lot more uncertain than we thought. Yeah. Or you don't know what you got till it's gone when mm. you have freedom to go to the movies without a mask on your face or worrying about staying away from people who might be sick. I mean, it's a lot. 
It is a lot. And we want to make sure too, we don't stay too much in the dread and the fear, but that's a normal place. So these are the emotions. These are the emotions you put in as a coach. I deal with overwhelm a lot, just overwhelm too much. Your cup is flowing over of responsibilities at home and at work. So that stress, that overwhelm is a major part of coaching these days because our world is complex. Again, part of that VUCA. Right. So I, again, have to remind myself that this is a global situation and I'm not the only person afraid to, you know, have, I'm not even afraid. I just have anxieties about getting on a plane, being in an airport, being around people, God forbid, and their energy. (laughs) (laughs) It might seem very loud. (laughs) Right. But I'm glad you're, it's still part of your plans. And I'm glad that you're, you just recognize it. It's okay to feel your feelings. And that's how you can run them through. Like, oh, I'm feeling this way. The more you can put words to it, even just talking to yourself, the more you can kind of move that and do emotional clearing, which is what you actually just did when you went around. But I'm really happy, really excited to be going somewhere. So you're moving it, you know, from anxiety into excitement. So nice. Well done. Good emotional housekeeping right there. I have a great teacher. (laughs) So the next category is you know, emotions that we, we feel when we compare. And Mm -hmm. so we know, right. Comparison, oh, the dreaded comparison. Um, It's actually comparison is not exactly an emotion, but it drives all kinds of feelings. And in coaching, I talk about unfavorable comparisons all the time. Like, just stop it. Just stop it now. Like unfavorable comparisons, you know, comparing yourself that you are less than in some way. I'm taking less vacations than this one. I'm not as smart as this one. I'm not as successful as this other person. Um, I'm not as sexy as the other. I almost tripped on my words when I said successful. It sounded like (laughs) successful. So I'm like, yeah, even that, right? I'm not as sexy (laughs) as that other person, that person on TV. It's like... So many ways we can compare ourselves and it just doesn't need to be so hard. Like if we, we just recognize that we could, because we may not even be recognizing it, that to that, to our minds, to our ego, that's just truth. I'm looking out at the world and that's just in our minds. We might think it's just the truth, but really it is an unfavorable comparison. Oh, I have been flim. I'll be totally honest and upfront here. I have been flim-flamming back and forth for quite a while now about the aging process and what it is doing. (laughs) Because I still think of myself as like 22 mentally. (laughs) Definitely not physically. Every time my joints are creaking. Um, And I get hung up about that. I, I catch myself stopping on a scroll or something. And I'm like, moving on. I have to consciously bypass those things that kind of get to me. And then when I have to make the choice between, you know, watching something on TV or doing something non-physical to doing something physical to make myself feel better. Hmm. So I've, it's an active process for me at this point, the whole, I'm almost like, I'm 48 now, right? But I still forget. I still have to do the math in my head because I can't believe it. I know. Well, you know, 48's the new 28. So don't worry about it. 
I hope I'm I'm like approaching golden girls age and that it's really <laughs> eye opening when you think about when you think about that. Were you right? the one that posted that? I saw some meme that it's from like, 22 from yeah. uh, golden girls in 2022. Yeah, golden girls were like in their 50s or something. Back yeah. then or in, in back then they seem so old and I'm like what? I'm 52. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> my point, right? <laughs> But I do, I get hung up on that. And it's not like I'm, uh, you know, a wrinkled prune with like a hump in my back either, right? So I have to have some perspective. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people are just hearing you. So it's good. It's true. What she says is true. She is not. You are lovely. You are lovely. And it's, it's true. So we can get down on ourselves and really go down the rabbit hole with that. And you know, interesting quote I heard in it. I don't think it was in Brene's book. It was in uh, uh, my book club's doing power of surrender by Judy Orloff this month. And I think it was in her book. She said, I think Yoko Ono had said that if you can turn comparison uh, into admiration, then you gain some of it. Like it becomes part of you. So you take something, you're comparing yourself because really you're just, you know, what you're doing, you are admiring someone else for some quality. So it's, it's like turning it around and turning it into admiration kind of pulls it into you and makes it a part of you. So I thought that was a beautiful image. Yeah, I do try and kind of do that. But maybe not as often. So now this is my reminder to flip the switch. Yeah. So that's, you know, when we compare, we can have the unfavorable comparison. Or maybe we go, hey, what we're really doing is I'm admiring that what that person just did or, you know, their that quality in them. Um, another uh, comparison, emotion, envy and jealousy. So here's mm-hmm. the thing about envy and jealousy. Cause they seem the same. And, you know, sometimes people use it in a nice, like complimentary way, like, right. Oh, you're going on vacation. I'm so jealous. I wish yeah. I could go too. And so they're really actually just complimenting. They're not saying anything negative, but envy is, I want what that person has. Mm. Jealousy is I'm afraid of losing a relationship that I have and love. So I'm protecting it. I have a fear of losing it. Huh. Interesting. So things that seem like almost interchangeable words or that we use in some flip way, like, oh, I'm so jealous. Uh, you have, you know, that new thing. Yeah. I uh, I had a, my whole life, I've had people like, oh, I'm so jealous. I wish I could be tall like you. Mm. Uh I hated it. I hated it because on one hand, there was a lot of making fun of, especially when I was younger and I hadn't grown into my draft legs yet. Mm. So, you know, you have to deal with that a lot of being the six foot tall, like 11 year old. And then on the other hand, when you get older, then everybody's like, oh, I bet you could play basketball and reach all the stuff on the top of the shelves at the store you know and mm. like and you're like is that a compliment it sound it started off as a compliment and then it went into a negative or like how about model did you get like mo- you should be a model some yeah, good things who or wants to like, do that <laughs> ew <laughs> i like eating cookies and stuff like that's not going to happen <laughs> but so it was a 
frustrating because I'm struggling because back then they didn't make clothes for tall people. So I'm struggling to like have things that my friends have, but they're always like three inches shorter than everybody else's (laughs) or that I have like really short friends whose pants were so long, they would be like, I have to cut all my pants off and, you know, I'll give you the extras and you can sew them on to yours. (laughs) That was actually my mom would say that because she was like 5'4". But yeah, so that was a a tough one. I had a lot of people say that to me all the time. I hate, I don't hate, I dislike the height. I feel like people should know those jokes have been made already for Mm, 40 years. Yeah. A little more diplomacy. <laughs> right? <laughs> but, well, but I will never my... say that to you, even though I'm five one. I will never <laughs> whoops. <laughs> Consider your company. I um I personally don't necessarily feel envious or something. I think my go-to movement there is how can I make that happen for me if I want it? Yeah. Instead of begrudging them for what they have. Yeah. Yeah. And we do think of both both of those terms in the real sense are kind of negatives. Like we might have shame about it. I'm envious yeah. or I'm jealous and I might feel shameful. Like, why did I feel that? Right. You know, I shouldn't. It's negative. But, you know, it's normal. It, we are human. So it's good to kind of know the difference. I think it's good. Again, good emotional housekeeping when you can put more words than angry, sad, happy kind of thing. Well, the thing about emotions is you're supposed to feel them, right? Mm-hmm. No matter how ugly they are and then let sure. them pass. Just don't live in them. Like you sure. say, marinate. Yeah. Bring it to your level of awareness. Another one in this category that's huge a huge, huge thing that people work on a lot in coaching is resentment. And I often say resentment is a red flag, that there's a boundary that needs to happen. Because even though it's often thought that to be part of perfectionism, like I'm working really hard and I'm resentful that my colleague is not working hard or just saying, hey, this is good enough, or that it it appears that other people cop out and how do they, you know, I'm mad about that. I resent that. But really, it's actually like envy. You actually are envious that that person can stop working or stop driving themselves to perfectionism and that they allow themselves to stop and you are tired and you wish you could stop too. So that is an interesting turn of events. There are some things that I won't talk about, about resent resentment, but it makes sense what you're saying about, yeah, I wish I had set those boundaries up so it didn't happen to me in the first place. And the boundary could be with other people or yourself. So for instance, when I talk about perfectionism and I've talked about perfectionism being overrated, it's, 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 it can cause resentment because you're really driving yourself to exhaustion to be perfect and maybe not living as much. You're just say it's your work or your your or, or your housekeeping or just how you serve your family. And at some point, the scales may be tipped where you're just kind of angry because you're looking around and you're like, why isn't anyone else doing this? Mm. Why is everyone else like whatever you know? And so you don't want it to turn into resenting other people. Yeah, and I. I 
I have a friend in recovery too. This is, they talk in AA a lot about resentment. It's a pain. It becomes a pain that people need to numb. Yeah. I can understand why that is so painful. Um, I was going to say something brilliant and I forgot what it was. So continue on and maybe it'll come And it's not to say that you say you are working harder than your colleague or you are working more, you know, you're the mom in the family and no one's chipping in to help, or you're even the sister of a family and no one's helping with other things. Like you're helping elderly parents or something, right? They can come up, but then maybe you should, it, it, it is a red flag that maybe you should maybe step back. Maybe you should ask other people to help directly because who likes to ask for help? No, nobody does. So then they just do it and resent someone else for doing it. That's doing. where my, that's actually where my resentment comes from because I was not a speaker outer and there was a couple of occasions where I did speak out very clearly about what I needed and it was still uh, not listen to. Yeah, whatever. And that is the danger, but the resentment is dangerous as well. So, and so I'm, I'm proud that you did that. And I'm sad that it, you weren't given the help that you needed in that moment. But, um, you know, I'm glad you spoke up and I hope that helped you continue to, to speak up when you need to. Yeah, I definitely. And, thinking positively and using again, all the stuff we talk about helps me move past those things and, and not let my ego keep the resentment in my head. Yes. Right. Don't let it fester. And so that's a good emotional clearing too, right? Just know it when you feel it, maybe work it out right away. Um, the next one is really cool. Um, is shade and Oh, (laughs) yeah, maybe not one that's very commonly known. This is pleasure or joy derived from someone else's suffering or misfortune. Oh, right. And sometimes we could even it it might be very naturally occurring, like someone's done you wrong. And then we might look at something, go karma, you know, and maybe we take a little pleasure in their downfall. Yeah. So it's not, you know, we're human. We're human. So no, no picking on anybody for this, but good to know the word because again, these are feelings and we have more vocabulary. We're expanding our voice. So Schadenfreude, it's a German word. Now the opposite of that is Freudenfreude. And that is pleasure or joy derived from someone else's joy or mis- or, or actual fortune. I have Freudenfreuden. What did you say it was? Freudenfreude. Freud and Freud. Freud and Freud. I am a Freud. Team Freud. Yeah, that's right. We, we are all cheering each other on. And so the, these are those comparisons, right? So that's those emotions. So as we move forward, okay, what happens when things don't go as planned? I'm going to read the list and we'll pick, we'll pick a couple good ones. So boredom, disappointment, expectations. I know you've talked about that on a show before. Uh, Regret, discouragement, resignation, frustration. Yeah. So that was describes like the last three months of my life, (laughs) that that whole category right there. Um, There was one that I didn't. I'm sure. (laughs) Uh, Regret is the only one I, I don't like out of that thing only because I just tried to not have to live with regret by being but consciously making choices. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So all the rest just hit, you can fire them all at me because I can probably give you an example for every one of them. So I, I did think of you when we were preparing this boredom, because I think we talked on the last episode or a last couple episodes of boredom. Boredom. Is it like that stuckness that, you know, this place interesting, the actual definition or what the research says is it's the state of wanting to engage in a satisfying activity, but being unable to do it experiencing lack of stimulation, time goes really slow, tasks seem to lack challenge or meaning. Absolutely. Except time check, 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 right? Check, check. <laughs> Except t- time seems to go unusually fast recently. Mm. Like I feel like I wake up and the next thing I know it's like three o'clock and then it's dark out. And I'm like, what's happening? Mm. Yeah, yeah. The short days too. Right. Yeah. Well, true could be part of that. But the boredom, I did think of you because we talked about that and interesting state of wanting to engage in a satisfying activity. And so we even talked about how you started this podcast is like just something, you know, connecting and then meaningful, right? It was a new challenge. It hits a lot of these things. It was a new challenge, stimulation, um, brought some, some extra meaning to your life and it was a new activity. Yeah. I think there were times in the last year or so that I was so bored that I couldn't even motivate my, like stimulate myself to do something. But I have every kind of art supply and puzzle book, right, in my house. And I just couldn't even pick any of them up. I'm starting to do that now. Talked about that with reading as well. I couldn't read and um, like concentrate on reading. So I've tried to tweak all of those things to still, I never gave up. I, I didn't totally resign to like, this is, I'm just going to be Miss Boredom for the rest of my life. I didn't do that ever yet, but (laughs) I came real close. Keep that in your pocket. No. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, never. But sometimes interesting thing. So resignation is I give up, you know, I give up pretty much. And the interesting thing is sometimes we can actually do that. And it, and I have talked to clients who were, you know, really going in one direction and they're hitting every brick wall. And I've said, I know we live in a society that says, don't ever give up. But I think that means don't ever give up on yourself. Don't bash your head against that brick wall. It's not the doorway for you. Uh, And is this a sign of redirection? So I think there's, we can work with that and go a little deeper when someone is discouraged, lost enthusiasm, things aren't working right. Things are going downhill. um, Doors aren't opening. They're slamming into brick walls. You know, maybe it is a sign of redirection. So in resigning that path, maybe you're opening up to another path. Maybe it's actually trying to redirect you to another path. Right. And I'm always open to that. I never will give up on myself. But even if I say it, I probably, you know, I don't mean it. <laughs> I just give up. I, it's so rare that I say that. So I think another area in this category, so disappointment is unmet expectations. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I I hear a lot, too, is I just thought everyone thought like me. So we can kind of go through life having expectations for people because they're like, you should know, see, you know, see there's a need, fill it. And different people have different personality types. Like we did the archetype episode and a caregiver archetype is very good at seeing need and then 
acting upon it. And other archetypes aren't as good as that. Like a magician is more seeing a vision and, you know, bringing people along on that vision as opposed to seeing a need and filling a need. And both are wonderful qualities. So I think sometimes people have a lot of, may have disappointment, but they really might've had expectations that were only in their own head that someone else didn't know. Right. Well, yeah, I've done that my whole life too. (laughs) Um, I'm definitely getting better at managing them and, and trying to remember like, yeah, the whole rest of the world doesn't think like I do. Like that's become so apparent. I just have to believe it. You know, mm-hmm. like I know it logically, but then when push comes to shove and I'm like, oh, of course they'll do the right thing. And they never do. But <laughs> <laughs> or even being the visionary that you are with your magician archetype, not everyone's going to see things the way you do. So say your expectation is I'm going to just, I'm going to fill in my friend on this idea I have. And they, instead of looking excited, they're like looking at you like you're a little nutty. I mean, that could be so, a disappointment. Right. And so I've encountered that where everybody's like, okay, sure, you're going to start a podcast or open a store, or write a book or do whatever you've done. And I'm like, yeah, well, don't like, I think like, don't, doesn't everybody think like that? Until we started talking about how we make movies in our head and we see the credits and we have a soundtrack and all that stuff. And I realized, oh, it's just us magical people that are really doing that. And so I have to kind of keep that in my perspective when things are going good or bad. Right. It's okay. It's okay. It didn't really take anything away from you that that person didn't see the whole vision. That's where we can kind of mature into that. You know, those emotions is like mature in that. Now, next is, let's see what happens when things are beyond us. So this is tapping into the magical here. You're going to like this. These are awe, wonder, confusion, curiosity, interest, surprise. Hmm. Curiosity for the win. Let's go with that one for 500. (laughs) Excellent. So we talk a lot too about getting curious in coaching, like get curious about what emotions are coming up for you. So even curiosity, it can be a state and a trait. Mm. Okay. You can be a curious person meaning it is a trait, or you can be curious about something, which is a state. Mm. So curiosity is great. It's one of the attitudes of mindfulness is in having that awe and wonder is a beginner's mind in mindfulness, like looking at things with new eyes, letting it wow you, letting it be like, wow, you know, I, um, I wonder how this works. And getting curious about something. And then maybe you even go a little bit deeper and you, you, um, your, your openness, that interest, your openness to learning more to satisfy that curiosity, going a little bit deeper. All right. Now I'm curious about what the difference is between awe and wonder. Okay. So awe is like, um, being dazzled by things? Like, you know, that's a good question because I don't think I, I didn't note. Thank oh, you. I'm sorry. Oh, for the stump. <laughs> so 500 for the win and the stump. 
awe. Awe is. I would. I would think. I'm just curious. Us. Like, what's the finer points between awe and wonder? Are right. Like, wonder is like when you go outside and you you can see outside of yourself. Like, oh my gosh, that sunset was just amazing. You know, how is the wonder different from awe? We can come back to it. I didn't mean to do that to you, but it might be the half step between awe and curiosity, right? Wonder uh, is maybe like the next step. So something awe, it's like, um, you know, I see Hawaii and my my eyes are just like, it's going to explode because it's right. so beautiful. I'm in awe that there's such beautiful nature or music or, you know, something that's like, it's so beyond me to understand how something could be so amazing. Yeah. Then wonder is probably that half step getting a little bit closer to curiosity. Yeah. There's actually a definition I found. Oh, excellent. Saving me for the win. (laughs) No, you actually, you actually nailed it there at the end. So as awe is the feeling of fear and reverence while wonder is something that causes amazement or awe. Yeah, that says a noun. As a verb, awe is to inspire fear or reverence, while wonder is to be affected with surprise, like to be struck by astonishment, to be amazed. So, yeah, half steps. I get it. Nice. So that's when things are beyond us. You know, that's like that, uh, you know, awe, wonder, curiosity, or even confusion. Adam Grant says um, in his book, Think Again, Mm -hmm. Adam Grant says it may be a clue to new territory to be explored or a puzzle to be solved. Ah, which is Adam Grant. Brilliant. I know. He's He's great. So if people aren't familiar with him, he's a uh, an author, a professor at uh, Wharton School of Business, I think it is. Yeah, I know it's in Pennsylvania. Wharton. And uh, he's great. So his latest book is Think Again. So um, I highly recommend it. Yeah, following him on social media, he does like these blurbs every day. And they're just so, so good. I don't know how he does it so succinctly, but it's so worth it. Yeah, it really is worth following him. It's great stuff. Let's see. The next thing is, okay, when things aren't as they seem, here's here are the emotions. Amusement, bittersweetness, nostalgia, cognitive dissonance, paradox, irony, and sarcasm. So this is like heavy stuff. <laughs> so I've got the sarcasm. <laughs> right, exactly. Sarcasm and amusement. There was one word I don't recognize on there, Air- Aridance, what was it? Oh, cognitive dissonance? No, it was after that. Paradox? Irony. Um, Maybe I just heard paradox as a different word, so Mm. sorry. That's okay. So cognitive dissonance is interesting because it's like um, two psychologically opposed ideas together. So what we see in this sometimes is a good, a really what I think is a really great example of this is like your, you know, young adult who's going off to college is now fighting with the parent. It's almost like making the break easier. Right. When it comes, you start to have that conflict to help you break away because the psychologically opposed ideas are that young adult is like half wanting to stay in the family and half wanting to break into adulthood. Right. And they're feeling, they may not even realize they're feeling these emotions inside, pulling, pushing and pulling. 
perfect example. In the paradox we've talked about with equanimity, which is like the light in the dark. The paradox is knowing we know light because we know dark. Right. We know good because we know bad. And that can we welcome in the paradox is really where equanimity is and say, can you can you welcome them both in the same life? Yes. And the answer is yes, we can. Yes. We certainly can. <laughs> uh, let's see. The next category. Oh, where do we go when we're hurting? So this is really important because these are the emotions that it's good to get more in tune with because you need emotional housekeeping with these things. You don't want to let it get piling up on you internally. Um, anguish, hopelessness, despair, sadness, grief. Mm. And the one that stands out for me, I don't know about you, is anguish, because we know that word, but it's like crushing pain, shocking, incredulity. Did I say that right? You're you're incredulous about what's happened. There's a grief mixed in. There's a powerlessness. The the harshness of the G alone just like hits you in your... In your the chest. word itself, yeah, is like anguish. It's a feeling word for sure. Oh, that is. It is very insightful. Thank you. Um, hopelessness. So I always want to make sure that people don't lose hope in in the work that I do. Like it's easy when you are in the perfect storm of like ten things hitting you at once to lose hope that things are going to be any different. You're fighting a battle on three different fronts. You may have lost your job, just divorced, uh, have financial issues or, or, you know, a bunch of things happening at once. And it's so hard to get out of that bad place and in losing hope, feeling, losing that feeling that the, that the future is going to be brighter than it is today. Like that tunnel. That's so devastating. If if it's happened to me, it's been fleeting because I can't not imagine that things can't get better. Right. So I feel like I'm in lucky in that way because I know eventually I'll come back around to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's such a sad place to be to, to just, or to see other people, especially like to just be completely hopeless. And then hopelessness actually can lead to despair because the um, description of despair is hopelessness about your entire life. So now it's like there can be hopelessness about a few levels of what's going on. And then when you fall into despair, it's about the whole life. Yeah. Which is a very, I mean, I think a lot of people can relate to that. And I know I can too, is like being in a really dark place and feeling, you know, I guess maybe I shouldn't say that because I feel like I always had a little bit of hope yeah, that it was there. And I don't say that to like brag or anything. I mean, I just like felt like it didn't feel comfortable for me to think that there was no hope that actually would make me despair is that I had to feel like there was hope, even if I couldn't find the way. It's exactly what I just said. And I think it's a fine line. I actually felt like bragging as well. And I almost didn't say it out loud, but I'm glad we covered that. It's, but do you ever like look at that fine line between how bad things could really be and then how not so bad they could be? Like that's a scary ass line. Yeah. Well, one of the things I've said when I've had clients in a really bad way, like hit, you know, it's resilience coaching and they're being hit from all sides. I say, you know, one of the things is I say, 
you could line up a hundred people and tell them this story right now. And they'd be like, oh, I am so sorry. They might pity you. They would probably say, it sucks to be you. Okay. I can't. terrible thing to say. I know. It's terrible. But then I say, but I can't do that because I'm your coach. So I, I have to be in this with you. And I have to also have hope with you that there is a brighter day. And you are going through extreme conditions right now, like A, B, C, D, whatever's going on. Like, so I guess that's where it's like tough and it's compassionate at the same time. It's like, I want them to know it is not that I'm cold to your struggles. It's just that I don't want to be one of those hundred. I can't, you don't want me to be one of the hundred people that would be like, oh, that is so bad. You know what I mean? Because like other people would say, how, who am I to say, you know, you, it could be your friends. It could be your family. They would be like, who, who am I to say that they're not, that there's hope? Like, cause they, they're thinking about how they would be handling all this. So that's where like, you know, you want me as a coach to say, we can find lots of perspectives that empower you. Yeah. We're going to go deep. We're going to go deep and we're going to go high to a high level of consciousness. Yeah. And I think some people, just the fact that you said, there's a lot going on, like this is heavy. I know you've said that to me sometimes and I'm like, thank God somebody else can see what's happening. Like, it's not just something I'm making up in my mind. <laughs> oh, right. The struggle is real, right? Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's not, I'm not being flipped. I'm not, you know, as I'm helping them with different perspectives and to transcend in their mind to a higher plane that can kind of look out over it instead yeah. of being under it. And it's so it's like, there's that compassion piece and it's like the empathy piece. Like I get it. You're, this is a lot right now. Yeah. I had the same small story, but I had the same thing when I went through the worst of menopause symptoms where my whole life was just completely falling apart. And I totally understand what desperation is. Mm -hmm. And I finally found one doctor that was like, the first thing I need to tell you is nothing that's happening is in your head. It is really happening. It's truly happening. It took me like a year and a half to find that person when everybody else just wrote me off as having like needing mental help or something. (laughs) Well, and interesting because you're young, right? So were people just not kind of connecting the dots that it might be menopause? I was with an endocrinologist, a leading endocrinologist in the area. And because hormone therapy wasn't working for me, she told me that I essentially was crazy and I should seek a behavioral therapist. I have the, I have it written in notes. And yet, and then you did find a different doctor that could connect those dots for you and understood yeah. that it was connected. Your symptoms were connected. To oh, hundred, I was textbook. Every single one of them. You're not but crazy. The absolute worst case of it ever. Like, I don't meet many people that went through what I have gone through with that. In nine, over nine years, it's taken (laughs) to finally find the end of that tunnel. So you can see where that could really trip someone up and put them into, that's a long time. Yeah. And part of the side effects were anxiety and depression, like clinically bad, to where I understood why people took their own lives. I could understand where they were coming from. I never hoped to be in that place, but I totally could relate in that moment. And 
than to have people just write you off repeatedly. So I had found other people's stories like in the deep, dark recesses of the internet where they were like, dude, I was committed to a mental health facility because they didn't know what else to do with me for a hormone imbalance. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that story because someone else is going through that. And it's really important to share that that's a possibility for them. That's going to be my next uh, elephant journal contribution. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, thank you for that's really important information to be out there that that is how it can affect someone. Uh, there's also an episode Lori and I did where it's in the beginning. It's called Listen to Your Body Talk on uh, Slightly Unmeditated. We did a, I did the whole deeper conversation about this. So I appreciate that you appreciate this because <laughs> I've been trying to find a new article topic and now I've, now I've, con- the universe has confirmed it for me. So thank excellent. you. Oh, that's excellent. So, okay. The places we go with others. So next next topic too is even just the empathy I feel for your story like I I feel for you I feel as as you I feel the pain hearing that story that you might have gone through um, whereas pity is more I feel sorry for you so not right. you know and that's that's one that we're a little less comfortable like we don't really want people to pity us no it's definitely uncomfortable or we don't want to pity ourselves which is possible too it might be an emotion you feel feeling sorry eh, for yourself every now and then i have to have a wee little pity party and it makes me feel better but i don't mm-hmm. let it last long for sure so there is some like a release in that where you're like oh and then i kind of start laughing at myself or like this is so ridiculous but it helped me through the hump and and then i can move on without being like like without needing a pity party from everybody else I don't like yeah. that. I'd like that. And I, I, I have had times like that as well. So I'll admit, like you have a little personal pity party and then it, 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 it is like emotional housekeeping. Maybe instead of just fighting against it, you just have it and it goes away. Yeah. It's like the release, like you, you play it out in your head and then it's gone and then you can move on with your life. Awesome. And compassion, as you know, that's one of my favorites. So um, that is, I am empathetic and I want to alleviate someone's suffering when we're compassionate. Um, Sympathy is, I'm sorry you feel the way you do. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, in here too, where we go with others, my boundaries is in there too, because we might need boundaries with other people. And then comparative suffering, where we're like weighing it. we Does that need- mean like my suffering is way worse than yours? So like you can't possibly know what I'm yeah, going through? Comparative. Or then it, it might be in the reverse because you might be sitting at home thinking, really kind of suffering about something. And and it's like maybe that false positivity, like, oh, I don't have it that bad. But you really didn't let yourself feel. You can let yourself feel it. You don't have to rush to the positivity or okay. like, well, at least it's not this. You know, you do want to feel your feelings. And um so the and the next is like um you know how we feel when we come up short or we fall short so these are shame um self compassion which is good we've talked a lot about that like giving yourself self compassion shame it actually is something that's a universal feeling that people have but it's you know uncomfortable perfectionism guilt humiliation embarrassment I was just thinking how funny it is that I've never felt short. <laughs> <laughs> right. There you go. 
<laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. There you go. Well, we needed a laugh because actually yeah. when I read those, I'm like, let's move along now. Yeah. These are all uncomfortable emotions. <laughs> I don't actually feel like I want to talk about any of these. <laughs> well, Brene does a great job covering all of those anyway. So She does. I mean- and her work is so... This is why... Her work has just exploded because people needed to talk about this. They didn't understand, like, it's not just you, right? It's not just you. And that shame, when it has that darkness and that hiddenness, it it thrives. And that we, you know, it's not just us. And that, you know, we feel shame about various things. All of us, it's a human feeling. And that um, we can be vulnerable and we can bring it into the light bring it to the light or like perfectionism. We don't need to drive ourselves to be above any kind of criticism just so I'm okay. And just so I'm worthy. Um, but it, it may be something that we are striving for when we feel like we failed or we fallen short somewhere. Um, and then of course, embarrassment, we all know. Uh, no, too well. We all we have do it on the examples. show every night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then the the last. I think that's the last. Oh no, not quite. So there's so much. I haven't gone fast enough, but we'll and you know we'll talk about connection in our final minutes. So you know this is when we're searching for connection, which is what you know we do here on the show with each other and hopefully with listeners is belonging, fitting in. Connection, disconnection, insecurity, invisibility, and loneliness. And there's so much to describe there, but the one that I really want to pull out is loneliness, is that loneliness is different than being alone. We can be alone and not lonely, and we can be not alone and very lonely. Yes. Fascinating how that works, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And we can feel invisible um, when we're looking for connection and people are, we're just, it's not happening. And that could be extremely painful because we are wired for belonging. That's a lot of what Brene talks about. Even introverts are wired for connection and belonging. And we've even talked about, you know, greater connections on Slightly Unmeditated of like being all connected to each other. And, you know, belonging, we all want to belong, but fitting in can actually become painful when you're trying to squeeze yourself in and you're being inauthentic because you're trying to, you know, get in with the popular girls, um, like to use a high school analogy, or we're trying to fit ourselves into some group that can over time be actually painful. Yeah. Yeah. So these are powerful, powerful just different kinds of words, you know, pulling it out a little bit more. And I would say the last comment, and it's perfect. So when our heart is open, we can feel heartbreak. We can feel love. Mm. And it's very vulnerable, right? To try or trust when our heart is open, we can trust, but we can have betrayal. We can be defensive. We can get hurt. And all of that is possible. But we don't want to close off our hearts. You don't realize how many emotional vocabularies, words there are, right? Just I know. Just about this whole list of an hour's worth of lists. That's a lot, right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm actually 
I'm actually going too slow because there's so much more. <laughs> but, you know, places we go when life is good, which is probably a great place to wind up. And, and they probably don't need too much explaining. Joy, happiness, calm, contentment, gratitude, relief, tranquility, and foreboding joy. Now, didn't we talk about that on the last episode? We did. It was it was new to me, but absolutely yes. Which can be that dreadful feeling that you get when you have this really joyful moment and your heart is so open and you're looking at your child and you're having a beautiful moment. And then you go, what if something bad happens? Yeah. Like the other shoe dropping. It's too good. And what if something bad happens? So just to know that that's an expansion of the vocabulary too, right? Because that is so, you know, it's not an everyday term. Let's face it. And how fortuitous we've talked about it last week and here it comes back around to get us again. <laughs> I know, right? So pulled it right back. So thank you for going through all these emotions with me. <laughs> I'm the emotional roller coaster <laughs> of I'm this episode. We, I'm glad we could be an example of what all the, I love the explanation of all these words. I adore this. I will pick out every expression I've ever heard in my life and do shows about them for the rest of my life because I'm so fascinated by words and how they come, you know, where they come from, where they originate. And then when you go through an hour's worth of lists in all of these possible words when you just kind of use so many things interchangeably. It does really open open your mind up a little bit more how you can express yourself better. It's like a rainbow. It really is. And so there's this whole dial, this emotion wheel, emotional vocabulary. In fact, you can Google emotional vocabulary wheels and come up with infographics. Uh, mm. of words in the emotional vocabulary in like color coded together. And yeah. it does, it can make again, that emotional clearing. It yeah. just recognize bringing something to your awareness. How do I really feel like you might be mad, but there, what's under that? What's under that? It might be disappointment. It might be, you know, other things. It might be grief. It might be a whole bunch of other emotions underneath that. And I think there's power in that expanding our emotional vocabulary and in really embracing the human beings that we are with that whole rainbow of emotions that we can have. Taste the rainbow. That's right. That's right. Get a so, Skittles sponsorship. <laughs> yeah. Skittles. We used to call with Steve, uh, our son would be love Skittles and he would be watching TV and then we were like, Steve, Steve. And he's like watching SpongeBob or something. And, and we'd go Skittles and he'd go, what? <laughs> <laughs> You're like Skittles. You heard. <laughs> well, we need Taste to talk to your dentist. <laughs> so, so anyway, well, Thank you all for listening and we hope you're feeling a bit more centered and we'll be back next Tuesday with another episode of find your center and feel free to reach out kperone at center4c.com. That's my email address or connect with us on the slightly unmeditated Facebook or Instagram pages or email us at good vibes at slightly unmeditated.com. Send us coaching questions. So that's all the time we have for today. I'm Kim Perone, helping you to find your center. Each time you do, you build a better world. My heart is full. 
Thank you for listening. (laughs) I look forward to connecting with you again. Until next time, I wish you clarity, compassion, and contentment.